Is anybody excited about Jesus in the house of the Lord on today? Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Is anybody excited about Jesus? The one that woke you up this morning, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Oh, you're not doing good enough. Come on, I'm talking about Jesus. Is there anybody in this house excited on today? Hallelujah. You can be seated as you're seated. Hug your neighbor and say, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. Look at the other one and say, what's good? What's good? So glad and so happy to be in the house. If you don't know who I am, I'm Isaiah Steele. I'm Pastor Reginald and Kelly Steele's oldest son. And I, yes, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, I am so excited to be here in front of you all today. This is my last message at 23 years old, yo. I'm turning 24. My knees is popping. My back is getting weary, but the Lord is still my strength. Amen. Amen in the house. Uh, how many of you love Kingdom in the Valley Christian Church? Is there anybody in the house today? Oh, how many of you love your pastors here at Kingdom in the Valley? Oh, we can do better than that. How many of you love your pastors? The shepherds of this house love them so much, so appreciative. We, it's, it's, it's such an honor to be on this stage, and I, I serve under them. They are the trifecta in my life, my parents, my pastors, and my bosses. And every conversation is always awesome and amazing because you don't know which one you're talking to. I'm like, are you my mom right now? You're going to whoop me? Or you my boss? Are you going to tell me? Are you my pastor? Are you going to help me? You know what I mean? So you're trying to figure that out. And, and I love them so much. Of course, you, my father, is, he's in New Orleans eating real good and having a good time preaching today. My mother's here. This, this, this is the first time you've heard me preach on a Sunday live. That's a big deal, y'all. That's a big deal. I'm so glad to have you here. Uh, I'm so glad to have my wife here as well. My wife, Devin, will be married a year on April 3rd. Yeah, you go ahead and clap for my wife. Love you so much. We've been through so many great things together, so many life experiences. I still wake up, and I'm glad she's there. So that's got to count for something, you know. Yeah, I know you want to get around the 10, 15-year mark. You roll over like, mm, there she is. You know what I mean? But I am not there yet. I'm just kidding. I will never be there, amen. You got to speak that and decree that over my life and your life that I will roll over 20 years later and be like, yes, there she is. So I thank you so much, sweetheart. You are awesome. Um, if you know me, if you never heard me preach, uh, the, uh, one person came up to me once before and was like, I like it when you preach. I was like, yeah. And he's like, yeah, because you're really quick. I didn't know how to take that. I'm like, is it good or is it, I mean, you know, but hey, but I, I like to get done in, in an orderly fashion. Uh, my attention span is terrible, and, and I can only imagine how bad y'all's is. Okay. Uh, but let's get right into it. Uh, we're going to go to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. I'll be reading from the message version on this morning. Uh, Joshua 3. Joshua was a great leader, uh, took over for Moses. That's some big shoes to, to, to fit, but, but he, he made it happen. Joshua chapter 3. If you're there, say Amen. If you're not there because you're just going to read it on the screen, say, well, wow. That's a lot of folk saying, well, <laughs> it is all good. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. And it says, Joshua was up early and on his way to Shittim with all the people of Israel with him. When he arrived at the Jordan and camped out before crossing over after three days, leaders went through the camp. 
and gave out orders to the people. When you see the covenant chest of our God, your God, carried by the Levitical priests, start moving. Follow it. Make sure you keep a proper distance between you and it, about a half a mile. Be sure now to keep your distance, and you'll see clearly the route to take. Here's the main point. You've never been on this road before. You've never been on this road before. The title of today's talk is Unleashed. Unleashed. Look at your neighbor and say, Unleashed. Look at the other one and say, Unleash yourself. Unleash yourself. Bow your heads as we pray. Dear Jesus, I thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for using me as a vessel, Lord God, and, and more of you, less of me, oh God, on today, Lord, that somebody will leave here changed forever, oh God. And, and without a doubt, know that you are the one true king that rules in our life, oh God. And I thank you for the Spurs for beating the Warriors last night. In Jesus' mighty name, what do we all say? Amen. Hasha toe. Stop that boy, Steph. Um, has anybody here ever been afraid before? Has anybody ever here dealt with some fear? Oh, come on. Has anybody here ever dealt with some near-life, near-death experiences? Anybody in the house? Look at all these hands. Uh, my family, we didn't start taking, we didn't take a lot of trips as a youngin, but one of the first trips we took was to Universal Studios, and at Universal Studios, there's a lot of tours, and there's, there wasn't too many roller coasters, and there was like different things going on at the park, and, and we were kind of bored. You know, when you're younger, you want to ride on a roller coaster. You know, when you turn around 50, you don't do roller coasters. You know, you'd rather sit down and eat a funnel cake, and that's okay. We will not judge you in the house of the Lord. Funnel cakes are delicious, especially when you throw a little, you know, a little bit of sugar, a little bit of uh, strawberries on them. You know, some of y'all are hungry right now. Listen, but we're going to get right into it. But look, and so we're in uh, Universal Studios. We're having a good time. And, and we get to this point where I'm like, man, we want to do something wild. We want to do something crazy. And my dad mentioned, man, there's a haunted house over there. You can go check it out. And I'm like, man, let's go. So our two we, we start going, our two brothers decide not to go because they're younger. Isaac and I were probably about six or seven years old back then. And they're, you know, no, mama, monsters is real. And I grew up in the house where my mom, the devil was in everything, okay? You know, uh, uh, if I wanted a cookie, I don't know, the devil made sugar. I'm like, what? Uh, I'm like, mom, what do we, well, mom, can I watch Pokemon? Pokemon, the devil is a lie, you know? Can I watch Yu-Gi-Oh? Yu-Gi-Oh, you know what that means in the Hebrew? The devil. And, and I'm like, Mom, I want to watch Rugrats. She's like, baby demons. I'm like, Mom, all these, everything that included in my childhood was demons. And so my mom raised us that way, and, and, and it was, the devil was in everything. So when we told her, hey, Mom, we're going to go to this haunted house, you know, right away. Wow. Well, the Spirit of the Lord is with you, but wow, you're going in the haunted house, huh, where the demons are? demonic. It's demonic. It's unleashing spirits in your life. You need to pray. And I'm like, what? I'm 15. Chill. Eat your corn dog, right? So uh, I'm like, man, we're going. And my dad is like, yeah, Kelly, you tripping. Let's go. So we go, my sisters, my dad, and myself. And we go in there. And now the one thing that they didn't tell us, and they did warn us, that at Universal Studios, the makeup is very real. Because the people who do the makeup make the movies. So they didn't tell us when you walk into this thing, you are literally walking into the horror films of past, but in real life. And so we get to the door, and the guy's like, are you guys sure? And we're like, yeah, we're sure. And he's like, okay, just letting you know, there's exit doors all throughout the place. Not too many people make it through. Just feel free to go ahead 
take the exit door if you're too scared. I looked at my dad. My dad looked at me. I looked at Mariah. Stella looked at me. I'm like, we about to walk through this thing. Chill out. Get out of here. Putting seeds of doubt. Already I'm going to the enemy. Won't the enemy put seeds of doubt in what you're trying to do? And so I'm like, usually the, yeah, he sent you. The devil sent you. Not today. Not today, Satan. So we get to this point where we're about to go into the house and we walk in. And as soon as we walk in, fear hits. Boom. And I remember walking in like, this is real. You know what I mean? Like, yo, these people is real. Is that really a demon running across the way? And, and the first area we walked through was the Chucky dolls. So they had a whole bunch of Chucky dolls on the wall. And I don't know if y'all have seen Chucky, but that was like one of the first movies I snuck and saw. You know, everybody had that movie you snuck and saw. And you had to, act, you had to tell your parents you wasn't scared. You just wanted to sleep with them because the, the presence of the Lord was in their room. But anyway, everybody, you're laughing because everybody's been there before. And so... Uh, Chucky's in there, and as I'm walking past the Chucky doll, Chucky doll eyes follow me. Now, in my head, that's demonic. There's a devil in the Chucky. And so I was raised this way. And so we go to the next area. The next area is all clowns. I don't do clowns. I snuck and watched it when I was younger and ended up being back in my parents' room talking about the presence of the Lord is here. That's why I'm here, not because I'm scared. You know what I mean? And, and, and so, so you got clowns running around, and they got knives and axes, and they're chasing us. And I don't know if they're real or not. I don't want a disgruntled employee to come to work that day and say, I'm going to really kill people in a haunted house. Because you don't know, folks, is crazy. And so uh, we're going through it, and now before you know it, my sisters are crying. They're screaming. They're tearing at my dad's shirt. My dad is cracking up. ha, ha, ha. Now, I'm trying to be tough because I'm the oldest and I'm a boy. I'm, a, I'm trying to be a man. And so I'm trying to act not scared, but I am. So stuff would jump up and I'm like, oh. <laughs> you almost got me, you know. But really, I'm scared out of my mind. And so the girls about 20 minutes in start to mention, dad, let's leave. Let's get out of here. And my dad's laughing, like, oh, y'all scared? And, I'm, and he's like, Zay, you good? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know? But I'm staying close, and I'm in the back with them, and I'm just, I'm, I'm tripping. And so we get to this point where, where we're about to be done, and it was like the last thing we had to do, and we get to this big metal brown door, and at the top it says, dare enter if you will. And I remember standing there, and we stopped. And I remember my sisters grabbing my dad's shirt. We got to go. We got to get out of here. And I'm in the back, like, low-key mentioning it. Like, yeah, dad, I don't know, man. I mean, you know, this, this looks a sketch. It's sketch. I don't know. You open the door. Who's going to who's gonna open the door? I'm not opening the door. And so we're stuck in the hallway. And I remember us, like, all being in the hallway. And, and, and my dad's like, let's just go. And my sisters are begging him not to go. And we're hearing stuff on the other side of the door. And we're hearing people scream. And I'm like, and you know how when you're scared, your imagination will run. I swear to this day, I heard somebody say, oh, my God, they're killing everyone. And I'm like, no, I don't want to die. Not today. I'm 15. Like, you know what I mean? And uh, I get to this point where I'm scared and I'm worried. And, and finally, dad's like, okay, let's go. And so we, we went out the exit. Boom. Light, people happy again. You see little kids playing. I'm like, whoo, we're good, you know. As soon as you see a kid skipping with a lollipop, you're like, we straight. Whoo. But we get to that point. We don't go through the door. and we, we walk outside and you feel safety. See, the reason why I bring up this entire story is we have a lot of people that have doors in front of them that the Lord wants you to open, but you won't because you don't know what's on the other side. 
Oh, come on now. We deal with doors, and God wants to take you to a whole new level. He wants to let you experience greater and better and abundantly, but you are so stagnant in your ways that you won't even go through the door because you don't know what lies on the other side of the door. You don't know what pressure's on the other side of the door. You don't know if this will worsen your depression. You don't know if this will make you lose your job, whatever it may be, so you get comfortable in your place. You get comfortable being stagnant and not moving. And so now with you standing in that place, the enemy has convinced you this is as far as we go. This is it. You're comfortable here. Some of us in this room might be living a comfortable life. And you've noticed it. But for the last three, four, five years that you have sat there and you know on the inside of you the Lord wants to take you to a whole new place. But you refuse to move because the devil has convinced you that this comfortable place right here is where I will stay. And we're, we're chilling. But the devil is alive. It is time to go through the door. It is time to experience some new levels. Take on the new devils and understand that you have Jesus on the inside of you and that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Look at your neighbor and say, go through the door. Go through the door. I didn't say the R, the door. Come on now, you got to go through, you got to go into some battles with some attitude. You got to go into some battles with some swag. And there's some things on the inside of you that you have to unleash to let God come in and make things clear, make a path clear for you and fight those devils both with him, you and him, hand in hand, side by side, partners, making it happen. See, a lot of people get this, get this false proof or whatever it may be that, that, that you can go into a battle and the Lord is just going to handle it. I agree, but there has to be a mentality and some follow through on your part. You have to be the one to open the door and yeah, he'll step in front of you and walk in at first, but you got to be on the lurk as well. Like, Lord, there's a demon on the right, there's a demon on the left, you go right, I go left. We like Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker up in here. We gonna make it happen. Oh, y'all not hearing me on today. Come on now, there's some doors that we gotta unlock. There's some levels that we gotta go to. Unleash yourself. Look at your neighbor and say, unleash yourself. Unleash yourself. So today we're gonna be talking three ways to unleash the next season in your life. Three ways to unleash the next season in your life. And before you can do any of that, you have to understand that there is a new season coming in your life. There is a new level coming in your life. A lot of people feel like this is it, this is good, I'm going to stay here until I die. No, the Lord wants us to continue to get better and better and better so the next generation will see that and they'll want to get better and better and better. Unleash yourself. Number one reason to unleash the, the next season in your life, stop being afraid of the unknown. Stop being afraid of the unknown. If we just sit back and understand and realize and take it in that Jesus is in control, come on now, how many of us would be in a much better place than we are right now? And you can't count yourself out because I believe that God can make up for the time that you've wasted, but at the end of the day, he's right there waiting. Why are you worried about the unknown when the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is right next to you? But you're worried about failing. You're worried about falling short. You're worried about hurting somebody else's feelings. Too many of us are crowded by a door with a whole bunch of our friends, and your friends have made it feel more comfortable. And then when they see you walk through the door, now they hate on you. 
and now you feel bad. Now you creeping out wanting to shut the door, but God has already taken you to that next level, and you got to leave some people behind. You got to leave some people behind. I hate not being in control. I hate it. Sometimes the Lord would do things. I'm like, Lord, I could have did it, but thank you. You know what I mean? Like we've all, we've all been there before. Me and my wife, we were just flying back from Seattle. We went to go see her family, had a great time with her family, and we're flying back from Seattle. And, and when we get to the airport, the line is abnormally long, and it's a really long line. And I'm like, why is this line so long? This is weird. And there's two dudes in suits walking around asking people questions. And these dudes look official with earpieces. So I'm like, is Obama in the airport? Like, right away, I'm like, what's going on? Is it Trump? I don't know who it is. Like, what's, what's going on? And so, so we're sitting there in the airport, and these two guys in suits are walking around. And they're asking people who look questionable, so where are you going? Oh, well, how was your trip? Well, when are you coming back? Oh, nice. Do you have any baggage? Do you, did you, are you carrying anything on? Like, asking these questions. And so I'm sitting here, because I'm not stupid. I'm like, wait a minute. What's going on? I don't want to say the T word, but what's happening? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is weird. And so we go through the gate, and I'm like, I'm going to ignore that. It's all good. We get, to the, we get to the flight, and we're going through the line. As we're going through the line, I feel this thing come over me again, like, like this is weird. This is awkward. And so we get on the plane, and usually on planes, you see a stewardess. A stewardess is like a five-foot-five little lady who's like, hey, welcome. You want some peanuts? And you're like, sure. You know what I mean? Where at this point in time, it's all dudes, six foot and above, like, hey, welcome to Southwest Airlines. And so I'm looking at Devin. Devin's just like, oh, thank you. Hey, we're here. Phoenix, here we come. And in my head, I'm like, the devil, you a lie. You ain't about to take my plane over. And so I get to the point where I'm walking, I'm walking to my seat, and there's another guy, and his Southwest Airlines badge is, like, crooked. So in my head, I'm like, that's a fake uniform. See, I take things to the extreme. My imagination is crazy, and I try to not take things to the extreme. But I'm looking at him like, that's a fake Southwest badge. And so I sit down, and I'm watching him the whole time. He's like, yeah, make sure you buckle up. I'm like, for what? <laughs> you subliminally telling me things. Buckle up. And so I get to this point where I'm getting nervous. And so now I'm like, man, I got to tell Devin, but I don't want to freak her out either. And so I'm like, hey, babe. Babe, she's like, what's up? And I'm like, yo, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you, but there might be some terrorists on the plane. She goes, what? There might be some terrorists on the plane. What? I'm like, babe, these dudes might be terrorists, yo. Like, they've been whispering to each other. They're all dudes, and they all over six feet. Something's up. She's like, but they're white. I'm like, that's not the point. That's not the point. You don't have the answer, Sway. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't understand what's going on. So now I'm sitting down. Now Devin's freaking out. Well, I don't know. He was acting sketch. I'm like, see? We need to get off the plane. She's like, no, chill. I'm like, no, we can go and we can have a testimony. Like the Lord told us to get off the plane and that, you know what I mean? But, but finally I get to the point where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to let fear take over my life. I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to wake up in Phoenix. So I go to sleep, pray the peace of the Lord, had some turbulence, woke up a few times, you know, looking for all the stewardesses, you know what I mean, make sure everybody's straight. And so go back to sleep. I wake up in Phoenix, and I'm, I, I wake up, and I'm like, thank you, Lord. Devin, we was tripping. That was stupid. That was funny. It's funny now, 
But, but at the end of the day, I didn't like not being in control and see people of God. Too many of us are, are comfortable living on the runway where God wants us to take flight. Too many of us should be on a launching pad, but now it's become a couch. When you're comfortable being in a stagnant place, you're comfortable not moving forward, but God has called us to more. And you've got to believe that. Stop being afraid of the unknown. Don't allow the unknown to come into your life with your imagination running wild and stop you. Too many of us in this room have been stopped for years. You know the Lord is at, is, has been calling you to put in for that job. But you're comfortable. You're comfortable here. You know that the Lord has called you to, 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 to get a husband or get a wife, but you're, I'm 29, and, 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 and you know what? I like being single. And I like having my options. I'm going to stay here. When you know God has called you to be married, when you know God has prepared a husband or a wife for you, too many of us in this room, you know, you know what? I'm, 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 I'm cool with just sitting here and, and, and sitting on my porch and not wanting to move into a bigger house because my great-grandma lived here and my grandmother, and I have memories. Our dog is buried in the back. I don't want to move. When you know God has called you to be better, and maybe the Lord has a mansion lined up for you, but you refuse to go because your comfortability has kept you stagnant in the situation that you're in. Stop being afraid of the unknown. And if you think about it, we live in the unknown and you have people scared of the unknown. How many of y'all know how today's going to end? I'll wait. <laughs> You're living in the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen an hour from now. You have no idea, but, the, but you'll let your imagination take over. You'll allow the enemy to take over and keep you in the same area forever. When you live in it, you're working in it. You are a walking miracle by God. Don't allow the enemy to keep you trapped. Don't allow the enemy to keep you afraid of the unknown. Look at your neighbor and say, stop being scary. <laughs> stop being scary. Number two, find your motivation. Find your motivation. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are the chosen, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for a high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others the night and day difference he has made for you from nothing to something. From nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Oh, don't, don't just say that right there. From rejected to accepted. You have to find your why in life. You have to find that reason why you wake up in the morning. Why are you waking up? What is your why? What's your motivation? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it because you're just trying to get through another day? Or is it because you were once rejected and now that you're accepted, you have to wake up. You have to continue to live the life and fight the good fight of faith. You have to understand that because now you've gone from nothing to something. There is substance. There is royalty. There is priesthood on your life. Your genes come through the loins of Jesus himself. He lives on the inside of me and you. He dwells on the inside of me and you. You've gone from nothing to something. What is your motivation? Why do you come to church? You come to church to make yourself feel good? You come to church because your grandma and your mama be really disappointed, so you get in the car and you, you go back to listening to what you're listening to anyway, and you, you, you go out there the whole weekend, and you have to come back to church because you did so many bad things. You know what I mean? Like, people have to understand that the Lord's mercies are new every morning, amen? 
You know, I would, I would watch, and, and, and here's a great example, mothers, you clean the house, you wash the dishes, you mop the floor. Some of us fathers or, or men do the same thing. Some, some, chill, listen, they be mopping and doing the dishes and whatever. As soon as all six kids come home and they friends, the house is destroyed. But you didn't clean it. You know what I mean? You know how mothers get, they will get angry. What are y'all doing? Put the dishes back. Wop that. I just picked that up. But at the end of the day, when the party's over, it's still a mess. You don't leave it a mess because you're like, it's going to be a mess anyway, so I might as well leave it like this. No. You, 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 you clean house, you start over. Some of us live the same life. You come to church and you feel holy and sanctified, and all it takes is one coworker to look at you crazy, and boom, you lose it. Now there's shoes all in your spiritual living room. <laughs> or how about this? You, you, you're living a life. You're living it to the fullest. You're loving the Lord. Your house, your spiritual house is spot clean, and you can, you can see yourself through the window. Ain't got to worry about no bubble spots or whatever. But all it takes is one weekend in Vegas. And you coming back to church like, Jesus, Lord, Father, I have sinned against thee. But we've all been there before. But the Lord isn't looking at our house. Yeah, he's looking at our spiritual house, but he's not. Well, remember last week there were shoes left on the floor? Remember, remember two weeks ago the dishes was dirty in your spiritual house? No. His mercies are new every morning. That should be enough motivation for you right there. That should motivate you right there. That right there should make something spark up on the inside of you and say, you know what? I'm going to continue to fight the good fight. I'm going to continue to make my mistakes and learn from them. I'm going to make my mistakes and do better. Because the one thing the enemy wants to do is take away your motivation and sneak lies into your head like, you ain't living right. Look at you. You did that last week. You're doing it again now. Oh, the Lord ain't going to forgive you for that. You done apologized for that 55 times last month. You know what I mean? And you get to that point where sometimes the enemy can have you so down and so much in a drought that now you have no living water on the inside of you. You are sitting there dead and stagnant. And I read something this morning. A tree without roots is wood. Oh, that's powerful right there. Understand that every mistake you make and you change it, there's a little bit of your root that continues to grow down into the ground. Oh, come on now, you're not hearing me. Every mistake that you make and that you approve and you say, Lord, I need your help. I need you to come into my life right now. You are growing your spiritual roots. You are creating a stronger spiritual stance with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So do not lose your motivation. Don't lose your motivation. Don't lose your why. Look at your neighbor and say, stay motivated. You got to stay motivated. You got to stay motivated. And number three, you have to allow God to use you. John 14, 12, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and great works than these will he do. A lot of us stay in the same situation, in the same area, because we won't allow God to come in and use us. Or how about this? How about this? We all know this person. Well, the Lord, if he's going to do it, he's going to do it. No. He's not going to do it if you're still acting a fool, if you're still unmotivated, and you're still afraid of the unknown. He can't take you to the next level. Come on now, there has to be some things on our end that we have to do in order for God to take us to that next level. 
We got too many Christians sitting waiting by the river for the boat to come, and you ain't got no oar. You just want God to just row you away like we in France. You're going to cross your legs and eat a croissant. Oh, no, you better get to work. You better have your oar ready. You better get in that boat with the Lord and be like, Lord, the, listen, the river's getting a little rough. I'm going to go on the left. You on the right. We're going to work this thing out. We're going to get through this storm. Oh, come on now. No more shipwrecks in your life. God has called us to be greater and better. He has called us to be more than conquerors. He's called us to be more than conquerors. Let him use you. My first personal victory in my life was being 17 years old on my senior camp to Camp Tonazona with my football team. And, and when we're out there with the football team, at this point in my life, I know the Lord. I've been born and raised in the church. I told you my mom saw a demon in everything, and, and, except for football. And so, <laughs> and so I get to this point where, you know, I'm, I, people know I'm a PK. People know I'm a Christian. But my life ain't all together. Come on, we've all been there. We've all been 17 before. You will hug your mom and kiss your mom and walk out with your friends and be like, hey, where's the crack? And I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's a little, that's a little out there. But anyway, listen. <laughs> but anyway, you know, we live, you'll live a double life. I talk to my teenagers all the time. They ain't here. I'm not going to point none of them out. But um, you get to this point. You get to this point where you're with your parents, you're one way. As soon as you see your friends, you turn into a whole nother person. A whole nother person where if your parents had a camera on you, don't do this, parents, because you'll be sadly disappointed. But if your parents had a camera on you, they'd be like, who is this kid from Lucifer himself? Like, you don't, you don't understand what it is. And, and I, I'm at this point where I love the Lord. I'll go to church. I can fake raise my hands real good and look like I'm in a spirit. But really, I'm just tired or hungover from the night before, whatever it may be. And so I, I get to this point where my friends will see this through me. And, and, and we go to a point where we're all hanging out outside. There's probably like 15, 20 of us. We're hanging out outside. And, and my friend, one of my friends mentions the stars. He's like, man, the stars out here are great. It's up north. You can see every star in the galaxy. It's nuts. And I'm like, yeah, man, it's crazy. And then some kid's like, yeah, man, you think God created them stars? And I had this spiritual vomit come up like, yes, he did. You know what I mean? <laughs> because I was, I was passionate but not consistent. I was passionate in what I believed in. I, I was passionate in what I walked in. But when it came to my follow-through, mm, it was bad. It was really bad. Like, my shot and my form looked really good, but when I went to shoot it, it was bad. You know what I'm saying? And so I get to this point where he's like, yeah, man, you think God created it? And then some kid goes, man, ain't no God, ain't no Jesus. Oh. <laughs> so me and my friend CJ, we was the only saved ones on the team. CJ begins to speak life. He starts preaching, and, and, and it's really bad and messed up. You know, he's like, yo, honestly, yo, Jesus, he's that guy, yo. I'm going to be real. And at this point, I'm like, oh, he don't know how to do it right. <laughs> and in the back of my head, I'm like, and I'm called. I'm just up here quiet, called by the Lord, just chilling. And so I feel this thing starting to come up again. Oh, that spiritual throw up, that feeling that God wanted to use me in that moment. And I use my insecurities as an excuse. Like, Lord, I, I really don't, I know a lot, but I don't know a lot. Like, you know what I mean? So I finally was just like, whatever. And I get up there, I'm like, yo, man, listen. Now I stand in front of my guys, 
and I preached my first sermon in front of them for about 20 minutes. And I'm going in, I'm saying scriptures backwards. <laughs> the wording in my scriptures was bad. It was, it was messed up, but I knew it was in the word somewhere. I knew it was like between Genesis and Revelation, you know what I mean? <laughs> between Genesis and Revelation, it says no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And around Ezekiel and Numbers, it says something about him never leaving us nor forsaking us. And so I get to this point where I'm, I'm preaching this jacked up message, and they're like, dang, Zay, that's good, that's good. And I'm like, yep. And in the back of my head, like, you know you wrong. You know you wrong. Your scriptures is backwards, everything you're saying, it makes sense, but it don't to you, because you know that this ain't, it's the word of God, but it's not in the order of the word of God, you know. Revelation 16 and 10 says, the Lord is here with us all the time. No. But they couldn't tell me because they didn't have a Bible either. So anyway, everything I'm saying, they're like, dang, say, you quoting scripture. I'm like, it's here. It's here. <laughs> it's right here. Thy word have I hid in my heart. That's somewhere in Leviticus. Leviticus is 16.5. They're like, man, you've been studying. I'm like, boy, I try to tell you, Jesus is real. Won't he do it? <laughs> and so listen, so listen, so, so we get to the point where I'm saying all these scriptures, and CJ kind of looking at me weird, too, because he kind of know the Bible, too. He's like, you don't say that like that. <laughs> but anyway, I'm like, we'll talk later. We'll talk later. <laughs> let, let, him, let him use me. He's using me better than he was using you. <laughs> I'm called. You're not. Ha. <laughs> and so I get to this point where finally at the end, I was like, man, and I feel led. Do any of y'all want to get saved? Fifteen hands go up. Fifteen hands go up. And so I prayed the most messed up rededication prayer ever, but it worked because I said, if you believe he died on the cross and rose from the dead, I knew if you just said that, we good. The rest of it was like, and if you believe it, uh, Jesus is here too with us all the time, raise your hand. <laughs> and I prayed the most messed up thing, but then after a while, I see tears begin to fall. And I'm holding up my linemen because they are crying because the presence of the Lord hit us in the middle of a field in Tonazona, Arizona. Oh, come on now. He will use your messed up message to get across to somebody. He will use your messed up critiquing and revelation to get across to somebody. Oh, come on now. The Bible says he'll make the rocks cry out if we don't. And I, I sat up there and I said, Lord, I'm going to let you use me regardless. Come on now. There's some people in this room. The Lord wants to use you. He's calling you, but you feel inadequate. Don't let the enemy hold you back. Don't allow that lie to come into your life. And now you're holding yourself back. You are not inadequate. You are called and chosen by God. But it is some, there are some things on the inside that you have to unleash. There is some fear that you have to unleash. There's some low self-esteem that you have to unleash. There's some bad memories that you have to unleash. Your past has to be gone. You have to step into your right standing with the Lord and say, Lord, unleash me. 
and let's walk this thing out together. Unleash me and let me come into this house together. Unleash me and let me be better with you, oh God. Unleash me and let me reach my destiny. Unleash me. Don't let me be afraid of the unknown anymore. Oh, come on. If you believe that, give God a hand praise. Oh, come on. Give God a hand praise. Oh, jump on your feet and give God a hand praise. If you believe he's got some things that he wants to unleash in you. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. With everyone standing, with everyone standing, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this room right now and you say, you know what? I have never given my life to Jesus before. And I believe that right now is the time that I get my life right and give my life to him. If that's you in this room, you say you want to give your life to Jesus.